Hi everyone, I'm Glenn Gao, CEO of Crimson Marketing. Welcome to Moneyball for Marketing, where we talk about the incredible changes happening in marketing organizations around big data and marketing technology. We feature marketing technology insights from the top marketers in the world. The reference to Moneyball is from the story of how the Oakland A's baseball team were able to win and win and win because they figured out how to use data and technology to their advantage. If you'd like to learn about how to use big data and marketing technology and marketing to help you win, visit us at crimsonmarketing.com or email us at info at crimsonmarketing.com. And now on to our podcast. Today, I am very pleased to welcome Stephen Dupree, VP of Marketing of SoFi. Stephen leads direct marketing and growth at SoFi. His responsibilities include overseeing cross-channel marketing, such as referral marketing, email, search, display, mobile, direct mail, and out-of-home campaigns across products. So how does SoFi describe themselves? SoFi is a leader in marketplace lending with over $6 billion in loans issued. SoFi is transforming financial services for financially responsible consumers with student loan refinancing, mortgages, mortgage refinancing, and personal loans. Stephen, it's a real pleasure to have you as a guest. Thank you, Glenn. It's a pleasure to be here. You and I were speaking a while ago about how data is a key tool for you in your marketing efforts. And since that's one of our favorite topics here on Moneyball for Marketing, tell us your thoughts about how you use data and how you view it as a key tool. Sure. So in terms of, um, say, say uh, web optimization, data is really good for us because um, we like to do, we'll do a lot of testing on our marketing site to see which, which versions of, of the pages are going to get the most people through. We'll use Optimizely. It's a very good tool for that. And um, a lot of the way that it'll work is we'll put together a hypothesis. Oftentimes it'll come from uh, product marketing or from the executive team or even from employees at the company, and we'll build out a test plan, and we'll run multiple versions of a page, and we'll, we'll measure it from one funnel point to another. And... Um, We'll run it out to statistical significance, and we'll find find the version of the page that works best to run. It's been even more interesting more recently because we uh, we're starting to really define what our brand guidelines look like. So we um, it's parameterizing the tests in in a very special way. So, for instance, we may decide to change the uh, button or the call to action on the page, but we won't touch something like the logo. Right. So right. that's that's how we might do it for web. Um, you, had, you had mentioned you also use data to decide what audiences to go after. I'm fascinated by that topic. Can you can you elaborate on that? Sure. We uh, we use data a lot in, in determining um, which populations we want to reach out to both through online and offline means. There's there's the set of data that we get from people who have expressed interest or intent on our site. So we'll use tools such as Google Analytics 
and our own data warehouse to track people uh, that have come to SoFi.com and tried to register or apply for one of our products. So we have a lot of profile attributes that'll that'll sort of inform uh, which publications they're reading, which websites they're visiting, and we'll we'll target those. Uh, we'll use click-based tracking so we can see if people click on an ad that we put out there. Uh, not only can we see how many people, like how effectively they're getting through the funnel, but we'll we'll tie it back to spend uh, in order to see in order to see where we should be investing more heavily and where we should be cutting. So, question about you talked about um, determining what websites they visit or what publications they read. How do you gather that information? Do you ask them or do you append information about them? That's a great question. So, there's three different ways we get at that information. We we use the click-based tracking. So that's dropping a cookie when someone clicks on a an advertising link that we provided somewhere, and right. we read that back in our data warehouse. A second way is many of the uh, partners we work with, such as the display uh, service providers and the ad exchanges, uh, also social media vendors like Facebook and uh, even sites like Yahoo. Yahoo has a, a native app called Gemini. They allow some, uh, some sort of tagging capability, so we're able to place some information um, like on our registration, and when people, people register, we can actually, we can feed that information, no, no personal information, of course, that goes without saying, but just send a beacon that a person that uh, came from that particular source hit that particular point. Right, so right. we can use that for tracking. The, the third way that uh, we'll, we'll gather the data is actually self-reporting. We'll ask people when they register, how, how did they hear about us? And we'll let them choose multiple options. And that's a really valuable way to get tracking on sources that are notoriously difficult to place uh, technology around. Oh, good. Okay. Yes, we like to call it uh, following the digital footprints. Yeah. So you have a lot of different products you can offer. So if I come to your website, how do you customize the website in some way so that you're providing the, just the right offer for me? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. So when... When people come into our website, we have a menu of products. It's one of the things that sets us apart as a financial services provider. We don't offer just one product. I should be more specific. It's one of the things that sets us apart as sort of a marketplace lender. Uh, we're really focused on multiple product offerings, not just uh, one thing. Like we used to do just student loan refinancing, but we branched into other products. Right. And we're going to be crossing and have products uh, launched in 2016 that really round out our offering. And so in order to, to most effectively um, have a, make the customer happy, we will change things on our back end based on, for instance, whether or not somebody has student loan debt. We might then offer them a cross-sell opportunity from a, from a personal loan for instance, to a student loan refinancing, but we know enough not to do so if they don't have any student loans. Right. Um, and then, so so that's something that we're working on. We we want to make sure that our web experience is really 
well suited for our customer, which is sort of this older millennial, like has invested a lot in education, has a lot of work experience. So we're trying to keep everything clean, mobile friendly, and um, and sort of keep response times to a minimum when people reach out to us. Good. So that that brings up a topic we talked about earlier as well, uh, user experience and your focus on making that as optimal as possible. Share with us some of the things you do there. Yeah. So on the user experience front, we're doing a lot of things differently than traditional financial services. So you know, one thing we do, for example, is we offer unemployment protection to all our members. So with most of our loan types, if you take out a loan, you usually have to be employed. But if you lose your job, we don't call you up for collections. We, we, call, you up to, we, we call you up to help you find another job within our SoFi member network, which, which really sets us apart. And it's, it's really great for the end user. So that's something that we do. Um, and we have done for a couple of years now. Uh, another thing that we do that sets us apart, we, we really make it easy to apply and onboard through mobile. So you can upload photos from your mobile phone. You don't need to, um, you don't need to go scan or fax things like you might for, oh, for right. one of the traditional banks. Right. So we really try to make that seamless. I'll bet that's a big deal for user experiences to uh, optimize for mobile. Yeah, we've taken in a lot of feedback about that. And so that's one of the advantages of building a company that's really new is we're not encumbered by some of the legacy technologies and processes. So we can, we can do things like that to really, to really move it forward. I'd say one last thing that's, that's really good for our users, too, is we really want them to feel like they're part of a network. So I already mentioned the, the unemployment protection we will give deferment to qualified entrepreneurs who want to start a business, oh, wow. which, is, which is a cool feature. And we have pretty good incentives for people to refer their friends uh, to the student loan or personal loan products. And that's something uh, we've, we've honed over time because what we find is a SoFi member is a, is a particular type of person that's, that's gone to school, often grad school, and knows a lot of other people that that have, say, student loan debt or, or need, need to uh, get their first, you know, or, or um, need to somehow get their debt down. So they're able to, I don't know, qualify their friends. And, and since trust is really critical, uh, they can get them over that trust hurdle. That's actually an interesting topic. So it sounds like referrals is a big part of your acquisition strategy. Tell us a little bit more about what you do for customer acquisition. Sure. So the way that we do it is it's a uh, it's a referral link that people people get and they they share with their friends. And we one of the things we learned early on, too, is that um, it's great to have a publicly available referral program. But we also like to like to offer the referral program and hand it to people once they become members, because. Uh, let's face it, people are, people are generally lazy. And so uh, that's something we've done for a long time. We have a symmetrical referral program. So both the referrer and the borrower uh, receive some sort of payout for, for a successful referral. And that's, that's a really nice way to do it because the referrer doesn't have to feel bad um, that, that they benefited from from helping someone, and that the, the borrower doesn't have to feel bad for taking that person's time. 
Interesting approach. So tell us um, some of the other things you do for acquisition. Sure. So uh, we do a lot of search marketing because um, search is intent-based. So it's a great way to capture people who have already identified a need for our product or for student loan refinancing or personal loans or mortgages more generally. Um, we, we've done a lot to try to capture real estate on the, the relevant searches and um, also built out things like site links to, to sort of drive volume. We, we use some geographic targeting. That's a really useful tool, particularly with something like mortgage, where we're not licensed in every state. So right. it really helps us to, to target and to also cater ads towards particular markets, regulatory and otherwise. Sure. Okay. And you also say you use uh, direct mail, which is not common uh, on the guests that I have on this show. Tell us a little bit about that. And in particular, tell us how you tie the results of direct mail back into everything else you're doing. Yeah, I'm happy to talk about direct mail. It doesn't get a lot of love. Um, we're, we're actually somewhat unique and we, we don't do a lot of direct mail compared to other financial service uh, marketplace lenders. Um, it's a small part of our overall mix, but as as a paid channel, it it's 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 an important part of our business. Um, I think when you work in financial services, the high acquisition costs of uh, the it that corresponds to high lifetime values enables it as a channel. Um, and in particular, there's a qualification step that we can get with direct mail that. Uh, you don't necessarily get with other channels. For instance, we can screen for people uh, that have never had uh, delinquencies or that they're current on their their loan payments, and we can we can look for people. We can look at people's work experience. Those those really help us to um, to target the right people. We actually announced uh, yesterday, in fact, that we're not using FICO. In our in our underwriting, so we don't actually need to to look at the credit score, but we still look at other criteria. And direct mail allows us to be really, really targeted with with whom we send to. And tell us about the data portion of I'll call it direct mail response. How, how do you track the efficacy? Yeah, so direct mail is actually one of the easier methods to track, and it's. It's been around a long time. The reason is because um, you can be dictatorial about where you want your customer to go. Uh, and so we provide vanity URLs um, that are customized per piece. And so we'll run, we'll run cells of tens of thousands of, of names, and each, each cell will have a particular message test or an offer test or um, – or creative test, and we'll look. We'll look in our data warehouse. It'll take a few weeks or months for the campaign to propagate through, but we'll look at the response curve and figure out which variants are are working best. We'll take the best ones and make those our controls going forward. And over time, we've become a lot more sophisticated, um, not just in terms of the messaging and stuff, but also some of the audience segmentation and making sure that, you know, people that are just never going to take a loan, we're not sending them a piece of mail every month because it's a, it's a sunk cost and it's, they don't like it either. So, right, right. Um, 
you know, we, we've actually been building a model that sort of scores the likelihood of response. And using that, we can actually get a lot more efficient with, with that channel. Excellent. Now, you also use the phrase with me, data warehouse. And we're big fans here at Crimson of the concept of a data warehouse, not necessarily that it has to be a data warehouse itself, but more importantly, that marketers have a central repository for prospect and customer information that they can trust. Mm-hmm. I'd really like to hear you talk about what what you're doing to capture and manage that data and then how it ties together with your various systems. Yes. Uh, thank you for asking about that. The data warehouse is, is different to every marketer and different to every company uh, in terms of its scope and its importance. Uh, it's really important here at SoFi. It's, it's our source of truth because so much of our technology is part of onboarding and getting getting loans issued and customers signed up and funded. And so a lot of the information that relates to those activities is proprietary. And so we store it in a, in a SQL warehouse that we're able to query. Uh, we use Tableau a lot. That's a really great tool that I've sure. been a fan of for a decade um, for data visualization and, and, and pulling. Um, and so we do use other sources. Google Analytics is really important for, for web tracking. And as I already mentioned, uh, the, some of the ad uh, networks that we work with have, have data sources, too, that we pull from. But the source of truth is what's going to allow us to tie all the way to funded loans back to, to where people are coming from. And one of the things that makes uh, a financial services uh, company more challenging in terms of tracking is it's a higher consideration purchase. It takes somebody a little bit longer from the time of coming to your website before they're they're fully funded. Um, hopefully just a couple days, but compare that with buying a T-shirt on Amazon, which you do in about two minutes. Right. And right. so, and a lot of those uh, funnel steps, such as moving someone through the review process actually occur offline. So there are things that you wouldn't be able to track easily with with web analytics anyway. So that's why the data warehouse becomes so important for us. And you mentioned using um, Tableau for reporting and attribution. I'm particularly interested in how you view attribution, especially given that you have both online and offline communications. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of ways to do attribution. Um, I talked earlier about sort of the real crude ways of asking people where they came from. Um, of course, we're more sophisticated than that. There's click-based attribution, which is tied to cookies. And then there's, I guess more recently, you could say multi-touch attribution, where you're able to weight all the touch points of somebody seeing and clicking on digital ad- ads or footprints throughout their process and weight them appropriately. Uh, you can also look at things like radio point in time type investments. Um, so I really believe heavily in multi-touch attribution. We're we're somewhere in between those those latter two. Um, we there's a lot of places we don't track um, because of security reasons. We're very careful about um, what code we we place inside uh, anywhere anywhere near or around any sensitive 
financial data. So right, right. for that for that reason, yeah, it limits some of the tools that one would use to do multi-touch. However, we we have really robust way to, to get at the click base and we have some things we've put in place to layer on understanding of other touch points to give us like an adjusted model that, that works really well for us. All right, excellent. Thank you. Yes, attribution is a very tricky topic, but one that's of great interest to our audience. So, Stephen, as we wrap up here, let me give you a chance to just uh, think ahead for a moment to the next year and some of the things. Uh, how, do you, how do you see the future as it relates to data and technology, and what what might we be looking for um, if we were to go to your site in the future? What, what what kind of improvements will we see? Yeah, I think the future is bright in terms of data and technology. Uh, one of the things that we're exploring that I think a lot of companies are trying to solve uh, in 2016 is how better to understand sort of the impact of brand on direct response. So some of those really big investments that you make to, to raise awareness and drive consideration, which ultimately lower lowers the acquisition costs across all channels in the long term. Right. And uh, we're making some big investments on, on the brand side. Um, I think there are some tools that, that are that I look forward to researching and potentially implementing. I'm not going to name them, but I think uh, as, as a whole, we're not the only ones doing this. You see a resurgence in uh, tech companies investing in things like out of home and television. They realize that it's more than just getting people who are on, on Google to come to your site instead of the competition. It's, it really is building trust in a relationship with, with the customer. So I think what, what you're going to see next year, hopefully, are some, some good tools and technologies that sort of support brand building and, and, and merge it a little bit better with, with the acquisition side of the world because a lot of companies have that problem. Oh, that's very interesting. If we can measure the impact of building trust successfully across multiple channels, that would be, that would be enormous. That, that would be the, I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, we are actually out of time, so I really appreciate what you've shared with us today. I've learned a great deal, and um, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Glenn. It was a pleasure. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes and tell your friends about us. You can also go to our website, crimsonmarketing.com, and sign up for our free monthly newsletter featuring the very best of our marketing insights, featured Moneyball for Marketing podcasts, and one of our favorite features called Bad Marketing. Or email me at info at crimsonmarketing.com. Thanks for listening to Moneyball for Marketing from Crimson Marketing. Have a great week and let us know if we can help you in any way.